Let's go ahead and pray, and then we will finish up 1 Thessalonians today. And uh, yeah, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void, Lord. Um, Lord, just pray for those who are dealing with trees that have fallen down, and um, just I'm sure that there's damage and stuff like that. And we just ask that you just comfort those who have maybe physical loss today and stuff, and uh, just lift up uh, this time that we have, Lord, to sit at your feet. Um, get me out of your way, and uh, pray that um, none of us would miss out on what you have for us, Lord, today, myself included. Thank you that your word never turns back void. And uh, just pray for the children's ministry too, Lord, that you would uh, just teach the kids your word as well, Lord. Thank you that you're faithful to do that, Lord. You just ask us to come to you, and uh, you're faithful to teach us, Lord. And so uh, just thank you for this uh, time that we get to hang out together, Lord, and the, at the end of First Thessalonians. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So this is one of those portions of Scripture, and if you're new here, we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, we don't do a lot of topical studies, um, and so, uh, yeah, just, uh, so after this, unless God switches something up, I always pray, you know, what He wants to do next, but um, next week we'll start um, 2 Thessalonians, and we'll finish out Paul's writings to the, Thess the church of Thessalonica, so... But um, I, I, this, I don't have the title. There's no title up there for this, but I have this title on my notes here. This message is not about praising the pastor. I just have to premise that. Um, it's important to understand that uh, when we get into Scripture that talks about the body of Christ and how they're to um, operate with each other and with leadership and things of that nature, God allowed... Um, Paul to write this to the Thessalonians to um, share with them practicalities on how things need to be. And, and I'll premise this too, that um, when, when it comes to an organization or a family, um, and uh, there's always, it's always important that, you know, leadership um, holds its right place and that those that um, are under the leadership also have a role as well in that. And so, God doesn't leave any of those instructions out in his word. And also I want to make sure, and this is in my notes here, but I'm just going to say it too, that this, this is no uh, place for um, uh, making myself look greater than anybody. Um, and so I just really want to premise that. I just, I want to make sure I'm always, it's always um, uneasy for a pastor to stand and talk about how uh, the body is to treat the pastor and how the pastor is to treat the body. It's never a, a comfortable thing. Um, people sometimes, that pastor told me I'm supposed to do everything he says. Have you seen his car? But I mean, you know, we get really critical about those things and we get really, we are, we're personal people. We're very personal. We want our own space, you know. Um, that's why we have fences and dogs and things like that, you know. That's why there's walls in our houses, and so we're just, we're naturally like that. And so when we get into pieces of scripture like this, sometimes we can get a little touchy. And so I just want to let you know that I was just really like, okay, Lord. And, and we're to, I, I, my job is to teach the word how it is and not make it anything more than what it is and not make it anything less than what it is either. And so if I made it less or more, then I wouldn't be doing you folks justice either. Um, so Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. And he tells them, and I'm, I'm uh, let's see, how many verses do we have here? Can we read all of this? 
No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it a little different this morning. We're not going to read just the text. We're going to go through it verse by verse, and, and then um, there's just too much to go through if we read it and then me break it out. So, um, verse, We start in verse 12. Um, Paul writing, it says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So what Paul's doing here is he's encouraging the believers in Thessalonica to see those that are spiritual leaders in their local church, to recognize that they actually are doing something for them. Look, and, he, and, and I want you to look at the context, okay? Don't focus on, you know, where it says, and are over you. You know, a lot of times we can go, like, oh, well, what do you mean you're over me? Um, the context of this verse, the, where, where it says, those who labor among you, it's very important for us to recognize this. These leaders were, were with the people in their lives, laboring with them. To, it, it gives the sense of being with or alongside of them, being in their lives of those believers, not being separate from them, but a family together. They were laboring with, they, recognize those who labor among you. It's not over you or against you, it's with you. We're all in this together. I, I need the Lord just as much as you do. You need the Lord just as much as I do. The, Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. The, the, the gospel needs to be preached to ourselves always. Just because I stand here doesn't mean that I'm any greater or, or than anybody else. We all are in desperate need of Jesus every moment of our lives. But it's important too for these things because sometimes in, 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 in churches, people undermine leadership and they complain about leadership. And when that starts happening, that doesn't honor the Lord and it quenches the Holy Spirit. And so Paul gets in, into the practicality of those things in, in this portion of scripture. And there's other pieces of scripture that speak about these things in Corinthians and Romans. And even in 2 Thessalonians, this is brought up again. <clears throat> and it's possible that Paul wrote these things also because that there was negative things happening in regards to um, th those outside the body, you know, causing those that were in this small church to, to, to not, you know, think of these things. But it's important for us to, to always look at the context of Scripture, okay? Um, we don't want to take things out of context. Then we are making God's Word something that it's not. <clears throat> also in this verse we see, in these two verses here, we see um, not only are they laboring among them, but they are over them in the Lord. It's important that, that you understand that the role of an elder or pastor, it's in the Lord. It's not just because they called, they, they took a job position somewhere. If somebody just took a job position somewhere to make some money, then, then they're, they're a hireling. They're not really called by God to, to, to lead his church. Please note that this also is not in any way, shape, or form saying that those that are under the spiritual leadership of a pastor or elder in the church are less than. This is not saying leaders are better than others or some disgusting statement to justify a pastor or elder the actions of lording his leadership over people. People use things like this and they position themselves as something great. You know, in some denominations, the pastor has... I always think this is funny. They have like their marked parking place like right in front, you know? Or, you know, they, 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 they have to have this rich demeanor to try and, you know, present this, you know, this successfulness because of their godliness. And that's just garbage. 
We're all in need of Jesus, every single one of us. And those types of things, I, I mean, it, there's nothing inherently wrong with somebody having a parking space. I mean, if you have a church and you're on 10 acres and there's 5,000 people that attend your church, it might be helpful for the pastor not to take five hours to get to the pulpit. So I can understand that, but I just have a hard time sometimes seeing how some congregations really lift pastors above what God's word actually says they are. And so this piece of scripture is not in any way, shape, or form um, justifying those types of actions where a leader, an elder, or pastor would lord his leadership or authority over the congregation. That's just gross. Um, pastors are to love the way Christ loves. Uh, they're to give their life to the fellowship sacrificially. Um, they're to serve, to encourage, and sometimes to be real with people. Uh, sometimes the truth hurts, but it needs to be said. Um, but it also needs to be delivered in love and compassion and not in anger or frustration. We see in, I'm sorry, I got ahead of my notes. Um, in fact, the Bible is clear that the role of a pastor slash elder, he is a shepherd, a servant, an under rower. Uh, do you guys know what an under rower is? So in an old ship, they would have men sitting down in a ship and they would be rowing the boat. They're the ones that aren't seen, that are below deck. In another portion of scripture in Corinthians, that word servant actually translated is actually under rower. And so a pastor's role is that. They're a servant. They're to serve. Their family to, is served sacrificially. Um, that's a good example, you know, that always needs to be in the, Lord, am I, am I serving, you know? Um, Jesus served his disciples at the Last Supper, you know? It was customary in their day and age for when you sat down for dinner for somebody to wash their feet. They didn't have shoes and socks. They walked around in dirt with sandals. They had nasty feet, man, you know? And who washed the disciples' feet? Jesus, God did. So all of these 12 men who saw Jesus do miracles, who walked with him and were discipled by him, none of them figured it out. God himself had to humble himself and show what service really looks like. And so the mantle on a pastor is that, to serve the body, to serve the fellowship. And God places that in somebody to do that. In, in, in leadership. I know that I'm called to do this. God called me to do this in 2010, to be about his word, to step in faith, to struggle through the reality that I know who I am. I'm nobody, I'm a broken individual, and God still calls me to faithfully do this. You know, I look at this ministry, I was thinking last night, I was like, wow, Lord, like, this is something that We've been doing for four years almost, or three years in all of her. So we started doing this four years ago, though. We knew we were called to do this. Um, my wife, we've been serving since we've been married. We got married in 2006. And, you know, through all sorts of craziness in our life, struggles and frustrations, and yet God continues to be faithful. And let me encourage you guys too, and this is off subject, but don't shortchange what God wants to do in your life. He wants to use you. But Paul kind of just lays out here what needs to happen within the body. Um, we see in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, speaking of um, pastors 
role, an, an elder's role as a shepherd, servant, under rower. First Peter chapter five, verse two through four. Um, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So pastors and elders, they're to have an example of servitude to those that they serve, their family, their children, and the church. Then we see here this word at the end of verse 12 in 1 Thessalonians 5, admonish. So Paul says, urge, he starts out, I urge you, brethren. Then he says, um, and, 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 uh, that are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly. So that word admonish means to instruct or give spiritual guidance. It's important to know that a pastor is not to entertain people or be lax as it pertains to the word of God. The word of God's very serious. And they're not to be lax in how it is to be applied to our lives. He is to take this place that God has allowed him to be very serious. I see those that, you know, I personally, I see those that attend here and individual, I see you guys as, and sorry, this may be weird, but I see your families, I see your lives and I think about those things and I pray for you guys. God's, God places this in me and I, 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 I just have a burden for this community and all the people that are in it. I think of the 13,000 people that are here, you know, and how God wants to move in everyone's life here you know, and not just in this, but in this fellowship as well. Um, so I think, of, I think of the lives of people and I pray for them. I'm burdened about where they are at spiritually. I, I'm burdened, how, how's their walk with Jesus? Do they know him even? I'm burdened with making sure the Bible is taught properly so that we can learn for God, from God and not man. You're never gonna hear my concept from here you know? Um, and I tell people, you know, if the word of God isn't spoken here, bring it up, man. You know, throw me out the door, you know? Um, the, the place, the position of, of a pastor in a church, God takes it very seriously, and they, all of us will be held accountable with how we actually do these things. And so, man, if there's churches where their whole focus is just entertainment, run away from it, you know? The, go to find a place if, you know, I, and I know we're always looking, but I mean, if God keeps you planted here, praise the Lord, there's work to do, but find a place always that teaches the word of God. So my position is to always, a pastor's position is to always teach the word properly. The Bible speaks to every part of our lives and I'm to encourage you all to see it for what it is. Um, somebody made this acronym about the Bible a long time ago. The acronym for the Bible is the book of instructions before leaving earth. It's our instructions before God takes us home. We're to learn from it and apply it to our lives. There's life in it. Um, it, it speaks into every place of our life. Every single area of our life, God's word speaks to. God has charged me personally to look out for your souls. Sounds kind of weird, but that's my place. And, and it's very daunting. So every pastor, their their place is to look out for the souls of those that are in their fellowship. Um, you, the fellowship, are called to be submissive to the leadership of the pastor. The pastor one day will give an account to God for how he served God's people. Like I said, this is awkward, but it's just the way the word is, and I need to speak it up to, for what it is. 
Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. And it's important to understand that again, God's word says that I will give an account one day. I will stand before Jesus and he will look at me and judge me for what I did here. That's scary. That's where you hear the song, count the cost, or you know, what is the, what's the price of it? I mean, really, like what is the cost? The cost is standing before God and Lord, did I, did I do what you called me to do faithfully and not be led by me, but be led by you? Continuing Hebrews 13, 17, the writer says, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that, for that would be unprofitable for you. So we see um, at the end of verse 13 in Thessalonians 5, when all of this goes according to how God designed it, as, designed it as well, all obey God's word, there is peace among the fellowship. We see here at the end, be at peace among yourselves. So when the pastor is actually serving, laboring among them in the Lord, and, and, the, and the body is, is, is acknowledging this place, and the way you can acknowledge a pastor's place isn't by money or gifts or or patting them on the back or saying, good job, I liked your sermon. You want to know? Pray. Pray for your pastors because Satan hates them because they're called to stand no matter what happens, to stand for the truth of God. And there's a real enemy in this world that hates that. I was told before we planted this church, I, I built a relationship with one of the principals out here that was a Christian and we would meet every Monday at 6 a.m. and walk his elementary school and pray. And he's been here for 15, 20 years and he, he's seen churches come and go and he said, are you ready? Because there's warfare that's gonna attack you and your family. Pray for your pastors, pray for those in leadership. We need protection, so do you. God calls you to step out in faith. So there's peace that happens. Be at peace. Be at peace among yourselves. In other words, don't, don't be fighting. Don't be backbiting. Don't be kicking against the leadership. Don't be, you know, if you have a problem with leadership, you ever have a problem with them, come talk with me. I'm the most open, transparent person. I'm as real as it gets, sometimes too real, you know, to my fault. Not, you know, not against anybody, but really, um, if you ever need to talk about anything, Gina and I are always available. Um, the elders in this church are always available. Um, we will go to great lengths to serve your families and to be what you need. That's what real church is. And that's when there's peace, man. When these things are in order in a body. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where there's things out of order and there's people backbiting and you know there's all this gossip going around about the leadership and all these things and there's factions and all this stuff. It's, it's not how God intended it. So Paul's writing in Thessalonians, hey, let's not have these things happening. It's really what this is about. Just like we read in Hebrews 13, 17, Allow your pastors to serve God and serve you in the ministry with joy. Don't be backbiting, like I mentioned, or complaining. If there's an issue, I already said this, come to the elders or the, or of the church or the pastor. It's always a good thing. I always want to be approachable to people. You know. Verse 14 in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. 
Paul continues, now we exhort you. So he switches out from admonishment to exhortation. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So we see here in verse, verse 14, this word exhort. Um, we don't use it in our words much today in our vocabulary, if at all. Uh, exhort means to encourage. That's what it means. Um, or plead, actually, or beg. It, it, in other words, Paul's saying, please, please, believers in the Lord, um, and he lists a few types of people here. He lists, you know, those who, to warn those who are unruly. Uh, unruly, this would be those that are deliberately causing problems within the church. Those people are to be warned about their behavior, the consequences of their actions for them to not do those things anymore. Uh, we see here faint-hearted. Faint-hearted, this is those that are timid or discouraged. They're to be comforted. They need someone to come alongside of them and lift them up and encourage them. I don't know about you, but I've been that way. I've been an unruly person too. Um, we see here, uh, it says, uphold the weak. Uh, these are those that are spiritually or morally or physically weak. Um, we're to uphold them and be devoted to them and help them. Isn't it amazing? You know, we see, well, what is church about? Well, this is really what it's about, these things. Romans 15 verse one says this, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's ESV version. I thought it read a little better than New King James. So also says here uh, at the end of verse 14, be patient with all. Oh, that's really great, patience. It's a difficult one. But we're to have grace towards all. We're to be gracious. We're to, we're to show grace and mercy. Um, even when they are not so fun to be around. You know, I've been told I, 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 I'm supposed to love people, but I'm not supposed to like everybody. You know, there are people in my life that I don't necessarily like, but I'm still to you know, express grace and love towards them. You know, I'm not to walk around with bitterness and waiting, you know, to how I can punch them in the teeth or something. That's not godly or the right thing to do. So Paul's telling these practical things, be patient with all. Is, is God patient with you? <laughs> yeah. God's patient with all of us, and we're to extend that to others. And when we don't know how, we're to ask God, God, I cannot, I can't, I can't do this, Lord. And we need to wait at his feet, and we need to confess that sin of bitterness and anger and frustration and all those things, and let him fill us up with uh, his spirit and, 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 and give us the power and the, and, the, and the ability to walk in the fruit of the spirit in our life, to, to, to recognize those things. Lord, I need to be loving, patient, kind, full of peace. Help me, Lord. Verse 15, we see this in 1 Thessalonians 5. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. So where it says, see that no one, it's not some people or just those people over there or these people over here. It's an all-encompassing statement. No one renders evil for evil. This is a life standard for all Christians. You know, as my dad would tell me, you just want your pound of flesh when somebody hurts you. You just want to go take, take it out on them. Paul's telling the believers in Thessalonica to not pay evil for evil, but to always pursue what is good. Not just for the believers, but for all. We see that in the, in, in the scripture. You're gonna be, well, it's just, you know, we're only supposed to be good to the Christians, but that guy is doing that over there. Do you see the picture? It's painting the example of how Christ is for people. It's the way the church is to look. You know that old saying, an eye for an eye, right? An eye for an eye. 
Well, that's not how we're to act. And that's not how we're to live. We're not to pay evil to those that act out in evil towards us. We might feel like we want to. Keep those feelings to yourself. Talk with somebody, pray with somebody. But we're not to do those things. Then verse 16 through the end, we have some great things here. Um, where it says rejoice always. We are to rejoice always. Um, verse 17, we are to pray without ceasing. Um, that means to always be praying all the time, always in your car. And you don't have to close your eyes while you're driving. We've inherited that in our culture to close your eyes and that's how prayer is. But God doesn't need us to close our eyes to hear us. We're to be praying always, all the time, unceasing, always be talking to God. Lord, thank you for my toothpaste. I'm not kidding. Have, do you have a habit of rejoicing in your life? You know, is there a habit of rejoicing in your life? God, thank you. Thank you for these things. Verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will for us. God wants us to be thankful. He wants us to give thanks. In all that is in your life, tell God thank you. God has given you and I so many blessings in our lives. So many. You know, I, 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 I wrote this in a note. I'm going to show this. Friday, um, I have, I, I don't, I, I get random tachycardia. Uh, it happened about four and a half years ago. And it's random. It, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Um, you know, and doctors can't figure out what's going on. And uh, so here I was studying for this message here. I walk outside, put trash in a trash can. I walk out to the street, bring the other trash can in, and I felt pressure in my heart. My heart rate went up. My blood pressure, I had to call 911. I sat here, Lord, do I really need to do this? None of it would stop. You saw the, did you see the fire truck go there? They couldn't figure out how to get here. All I think is like, gosh, Ryan and Amber are probably thinking someone's dying at the church. So um, this has happened in the past, but I'm, I'm sharing this with you because like, we need to be thankful for things. We need to always in everything give thanks. And so here I am and you know, I'm in the ambulance and this is just weird. The Holy Spirit's like, you need to pray for this guy who's next to you in the ambulance. So this guy, Nick, who was my EMT, I don't even ask him, I pray for him. I'm on a gurney in ambulance. I just start praying. I start praying for his life and who he is. And I start praying that God would bring healing to me. And I start praying for the driver. And I just like, in Jesus' name, amen. And he's like, hey, thanks for praying, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to come back. I go, huh? He goes, well, I got married in January. And my wife and I, you know, I bought some devotionals. And I'm starting to come back to the Lord. And I was like, okay, well, God, Maybe this dude, I, I was supposed to, my body was supposed to freak out so I could pray for this guy. I don't know. But be thankful for all things and always be willing to see and be led by the Lord for what's going on, man. In everything, give thanks, for this is his will in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can, oh, by the way, all my tests are negative. They can never find out what's wrong with me, so. Yeah, they drove over there and couldn't figure out where 4227 was. It's okay, bro. 
He slapped me in the face. What are you doing, Brian? Taking the trash out. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I, I guess I am. I don't know. It could be anxiety. It could be stress. I don't know. I probably need to lose 100 pounds too. So don't quench the spirit, verse 19. So this is an interesting piece here. I love how Paul just kind of bullet points these things to the Thessalonians. Um, the Holy Spirit, he's real, alive, he's active, and we can quench him. The Holy Spirit can be affected by our actions. Um, the Believer's Bible Commentary states this about quenching the Holy Spirit, and I thought this was good. Um, to quench the Spirit means to stifle his work in our midst, to limit and hinder him. Sin quenches the Holy Spirit. Traditions quench the Holy Spirit. Man-made rules and regulations in public worship can quench the Holy Spirit. Um, disunity quenches him. Someone has said that cold looks and contemptuous words, silence, studied disregard go a long way to quench him. So does unsympathetic criticism. Um, Ryrie says this, Ryrie's a commentator, writer, uh, that the spirit is quenched whenever his ministry is stifled in an individual or in the church. It's, it's a real thing. Um, and so that's one thing that we always pray about in this, in this team, and, and I, I encourage you to, Lord, is anything in my life hindering you from the work that you want to do in my life? So we're, we're to not quench the Holy Spirit. That's a real thing. We want to make sure we're not. Uh, verse 20 and 21, do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. So, um, it is possible that there were those that abused the speaking of prophecy at the time and could have caused those that are in Thessalonica, the, this church, and the, to, to, to like despise these things, um, causing a bad taste in the mouths of the Thessalonians, those that would have abused this gift. So Paul is, is encouraging them not to turn away from prophecy. Um, we're not to scorn or hate prophecies, you guys. The Lord can and does speak through his people even today. But we're to test all things. Just because an individual says, thus saith the Lord, with a waving of the hand just like that, does not mean that what that person is speaking is actually from God or that it will actually happen. <clears throat> Gina and I used to lead worship all over the place and we'd be at different prayer gatherings and uh, some of them were, you know, um, Pentecostal prayer gatherings, and sometimes those can be a little uh, interesting. And um, no, I'm not against, I have friends that are in Pentecostal churches and everything. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad. I mean, when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be like, well, you know, they didn't speak in tongues right. Jesus, Jesus ain't going to care about that. It just matters if we go to heaven, you know. Um, but we were at this uh, prayer gathering, and and uh, this woman who was presiding over it came up to, and this is after leading worship. This woman gathered our team together and was praying over us and, 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 and speaking into people's lives. People will do this. They will like put their attention on you and they will speak at you like it's something important that they are doing, okay? You can tell because they're lifting themselves up. It's not, the focus isn't Jesus. And so this woman starts speaking to my wife, telling her that she's gonna be a worship leader after she just got done leading worship. And Gina had already walked into this calling of her life that God called her to like 10 years before that or 15 years before that. And so this wasn't something new. And the woman wasn't doing it in a way of like, hey, 
man, praise the Lord, God's gifted you, you know, just to encourage me. She was like speaking at my wife as if it was something new that God was telling her. Well, it was totally false. And so I remember packing up and I go, and Gina didn't come out for a while. And I go, what'd you do? She goes, I had to put her in her place. She was speaking incorrectly towards me. She was acting like she was speaking for God, but really wasn't speaking for God. She was speaking for herself. And I was like, wow, okay. Praise the Lord that you're able to stand up so, so against something like that. So those things can happen in our lives. You know, so just because somebody you know, says they have a gift of prophecy and we see titles of some people like that, you know, and that doesn't, necessi- that doesn't mean that they're actually gonna be speaking from God. Now, we can't you know, um, go on the uh, other end of the scale and say all prophecy is dead because people have spoken into my life that has literally been from God. And I know that it's been from God because it pierces straight into me. And I, can, and, and I know that it, it, it's undeniable that God spoke through that person to me you know, about my life and what was happening in my life. And so we're not to despise prophecy, you know? <clears throat> know this, God is not a liar also. He will never contradict himself or his word. It's very important. Um, that's why you'll always hear me say, context is king. Context is important. A lot of people can take scripture out of context. We're to test all things through searching out the mind of God through the Bible. We're to cling to what is good also. That's at the end of verse 21. We're to cling to what is good. Verse 22, Paul continues, says, abstain from every form of evil. In other words, don't take part in anything that's ungodly. Things that the Bible says are wrong, we're not to even be a part of those things. That grieves, I mean, that, that get, those things give the appearance of evil. In fact, New King, or King James says to abstain from the appearance of evil. So we're to have our lives to not even be, people should look at our lives as a Christian and, 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 and not have any thought that we are doing evil things or sinful things. We're to be away from the appearance of evil, even. And why? Because people look at us and we're, 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 the, we're the hands and feet and the mouthpiece and the representation of Jesus in this world. 23 and 24, now, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may you and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Hey man, I'm so glad that he's faithful and that he's gonna do what he's called to do in our lives. We see this word sanctify here in verse 23. This means to be set apart, um, to consecrate uh, for something greater. Uh, God is doing this in the believer. Notice that God is the God of peace, not harm. God is good and he is peace, not the emotion of peaceful, but literally the creator of peace. In him, there is peace. He is peace and it is him, God himself doing this work in believers, this sanctification. Also notice in this verse, that it is our whole spirit, our soul and our body that is sanctified by the power of God himself. Every aspect of our existence, we're made blameless. This blamelessness, this sanctification is preserved, protected and guarded so that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are found in this way before him. It's amazing what Christ gives us. He encapsulates every part of life. So when, when we see Jesus face to face, we will be complete in our soul, 
our body and, and our spirit, all one, all perfected by him. We'll have a perfect body. It's an amazing thing. And verse 24, this, this all, um, the, verse 24 caps all of this off where it says he, it's he being God. He who calls you is faithful. God himself is faithful. Who calls you, he's faithful. Who, and, 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 and not only is he faithful, but he will do it. It's, it's, it's almost a statement of that, um, like an already completed promise. When God's word says that he will do it, it means that it's going to happen. And as believers, we look at what God does in regards to sanctifying us and the power is through him and that he does this in our lives. It's an amazing thing. We just need to throw our hands up and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. It's amazing what he does. He accomplishes this work in our lives. It's not just talk. He is at work and he will do this. He is so faithful. Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you, and that good work is the sanctification, the transformation, the regeneration that the Holy Spirit does in a believer when they give their life to the Lord. That's what that good work is. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. In other words, there isn't one thing in your life that God's not going to complete pertaining to his will in your life and his goodness towards you until the day of Jesus Christ. Our life is so solidified in him. And this should build our trust in the Lord. This should give us the confidence to trust him with the things of our life, to trust him when our stupid heart does dumb things and we're like in an ambulance and no one knows what's wrong with you, but your blood pressure is 181 over 105. Wow. It's horrible. But I'm to trust the Lord with that. I'm gonna say, Lord, you know what? I guess if I'm gonna die, here I go. I feel like Sanford and Son, you know? It's the big one! I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show. It's from the 70s. Yes, reruns. And sometimes, yeah, sorry, that's a whole other thing. I get so sidetracked, I apologize. I am not the polished speaker. It's horrible. But God's faithful to complete this work in us. And I am so glad that he gives us his word for us to be able to rely on these things. And then continue, Paul writes, says, brethren, pray for us. And this is where I said, pray for your pastor. Paul is asking for the believers in Thessalonica to pray for them. It's important to pray for those that are in the ministry, that are in leadership. Paul being the spiritual powerhouse. Paul was, I can't believe it. if you know who Paul was, Paul radically used him to plant all these churches. And here he is asking this little fledgling church that he was there for maybe couple of weeks, couple of months, and he's saying, pray for us, please, brethren, pray for us. Still asking for prayer, Paul B, and even though he's, a, he's this great spiritual leader, he's asking for prayer. And it's important to know, just because someone is used by God and we esteem them for their work in the Lord, uh, but that work may never be accomplished without being covered in prayer. Prayer is so important. Pray for us. Pray for the leaders in the church. Pray for pastors. Pray for missionaries. Pray without ceasing. Paul continues, says, Greater, gr greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. In this place and time, it would have been a custom to greet someone with a kiss on the cheek. Uh, this is not a sensual kiss or to be thought of something perverted. Um, also notice that it is a holy kiss. Um, now, in, even in today's day and age, in other countries, people still do that. They greet each other with a kiss on the cheek. 
Um, and this isn't something that was so, you know, mandated. And uh, one commentator was like, Paul, you know, is writing this letter because he couldn't do this. He's asking the brethren to greet, you know, all of them with a holy kiss from himself. So it would be a way of him saying, hey, I, I want to greet you guys this way because um, he couldn't be with them when he wrote this letter. 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. So Paul ends this letter telling them that they are to read this letter to all the, belie- to all the believers. In other words, don't just take this and, you know, I wrote it to you and maybe it would, excuse me, was given to one person. He's encouraging, this needs to be read to the body. There's, there's something important about the, the word of God being read to those uh, that are listening. And the body was to be encouraged through this. And then he finishes off verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Man, we need God's grace all the time. We need that to be with us in every aspect of our life. And so we finish off 1 Thessalonians and uh, it's just such a really good book. If you didn't catch any of these, um, we have a podcast, there's YouTube and stuff. um, If you wanna go back and listen to it. Um, But uh, man, praise the Lord for his love for us and and. um, so just, uh, just thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and uh, for who you are, Lord. Thank you for each and every person here. I just pray that you would bless them, Lord, that uh, any words that are spoken that are not of you, that you just, they just fall away, Lord. And uh, thank you for the practical um, place that we see in Scripture about how the body of Christ is to be and, and how we're to pray always. And, and Lord, I just thank you so much that you love us so much, God, that you give us your word to read, and you give us the body to fellowship in. And Lord, I pray that you would help us um, to rely upon you. And Father, if there's anybody here today with any struggles or anything, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them. And if anyone uh, needs prayer, that they come up after service for prayer. And, and uh, just thank you so much for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, if, you, if any of you need prayer, um, you can come up front and we'll pray for you after this last song too.